Hey, Spencer, let me ask you this. All right. So the lead up to your Gridiron book coming out, okay. the anthology you were just in. Yeah. Did the whole time you were just thinking, something's going to be fucked up, they're just going to take my story out, something awful is going to happen? Yeah, but I... I'm that's with everything though with me like just the worst case scenario all all the time everything horoscope volume four finally dropped on I think Monday yeah February 20th I don't know when I forget the date is when this drops but February 20th horoscope four dropped and my story bog hags in it I'm very proud of that story I really like that story but I think I talked about on air before the printing like the printers were having problems, so we didn't get our contributor copies yet. Because if you wanted the hardbacks, right? If you wanted the paperbacks, we could have got them already. I wanted a hardback, so I waited. So the same day that the book came out, Harriet, who's who's doing all this, she got the contributor copies in the mail. For some reason, I got this gut feeling that I should just check, like the, what it's like, you know. Yeah. So I paid like the dollar or whatever, two dollars for the Kindle version because she had it on sale. Okay. Look through real quick, flip to my story. The last thousand words are cut off. They're just not on there. Oh, wow. So my story just like, it looks like it just ends randomly. And I was like, well, that's not good. So I messaged Harriet and her immediate reaction was just, what? Yeah. And I was like, it's not the, is the print copy like that too? I hope not because yeah. like the people in the UK and, and Europe, like the there you contributor, got it, yeah. yeah, the contributors from around the world, they actually had to pay and just order. Like, she made it real cheap so they could get it because the shipping was just too oh, much. Yeah. So she crazy. had to order it through Amazon. So they already got all their cop their paperback copies. And <laughs> she checked, and she looked at hers. She's like, no, mine's fine because, you know, you got the proof copy or whatever. And then she got, because she had the box of the ones that she was about to send out. She right. looked at it. My story's the only story in the whole thing that was fucked up. Wow. She was really upset about it, actually. And she said, oh, you know, she did everything. She's going to fix it. So she uploaded like the new Kindle manuscript and she showed me a video to like, no, your story's here. Right. And then she uploaded one for the print one. So my story going forward should be fine. It's just on the contributor copies. The contributor copies and anyone who ordered opening uh. day. So, if, you know, usually is when most people probably buy the thing is the opening day and they're going to get my fucked up story. Now, the contributor, co- uh, the contributors. She messaged all of them and told them what happened. And some of them actually just had, they should give them a choice. I could just send out your copy now as is, or you can wait and get the, you know, fixed copy. I don't know what, you know, people picked. I assume they don't care, but. They'd be like, wait, is it my story? No, I don't yeah, give a shit. Exactly. But she did have a couple of people actually ask if she could email my story personally to them because oh. obviously they wanted to read it. So that yeah. that made me feel kind of good that they actually cared enough because a lot of people probably read the story. It's like, if they're enjoying it, it like, just cuts off fuck? and like, yeah. oh, that's a shitty ending. That was very, like, not upsetting. I mean, for her it was because she put all the work into right. putting this thing together. For me, it was annoying, but I think what it basically came down to was the printers. And like, I think she uses Amazon. Just fucking cut out random page, like the whatever, a couple pages or how th- two or three pages, I think. And I've heard other authors like that publish their own works or even like indie publishers that use them, like Harriet, have gotten boxes of books that were fucked up. Yeah. Sometimes like, oh, for some reason, all the formatting, like the page is like crooked or something. Yeah. So I've seen people complain about that before different things. Um, I don't know why I felt I should check, but I'm glad I did because right. I caught it before. Because if I got that book in the mail, <sighs> dude, I would have been so fucking upset. Like if I opened it and my story is the one yeah. story that's fucked up. But that, yeah, that was disappointing. Uh, and now I have to wait another two or th- uh, she said another two weeks. Yeah. No, another two weeks for the books to come in. 
and then however long after she so probably a month oh. to get my book. But she did say she is just because she feels so bad. She's going to send me all my author copies for free. Oh, nice. Like she's just going to eat the cost. And I was like, well, that's very nice of you. Uh, the Kindle version, it wasn't working. And after she updated it, I she sent me a like a free Kindle book. And it was the book. Mm. And I opened it. And it was the same one I already was reading like to the same page. Yeah. So I deleted it and then, and then it. opened it again. And it still did that. So I was like, what the fuck? It must be safe. So I deleted it completely. I didn't remove the download. I deleted it completely. And then it wouldn't let me accept uh, the Kindle she sent me. So she sent me another one, which I found out she was paying for. Uh, so, I mean, she said it cost like six bucks, but I was like, that's fucked up. <laughs> you have to yeah. pay to send this to me that they fucked up. And it was still, it's still fucked up. Like, I just don't have, like I said, all the other stories are fine. It's just my story, which is like, why is it mm. fucked up? Yeah. So that's, it, it's annoying. It's it's not her fault at all. No. It's just, you know, fucking Amazon. But it's like, you already sent these books out. Imagine if you had like this big, like hundreds of people ordering your book and then it turns out it's fucked up mm -hmm. because her proof copy was fine. If the proof copy is fucked up and she looked, even so, I mean, a couple pages. How would you notice? Yeah. Unless you were, like, inspecting everyone. She probably wouldn't even notice. But she did open and said her copy was fine. So I don't I don't know why the fuck that happened. But, I was, of course, it was my story. Yeah. Know? She was like, God damn it, because I was so excited about it, just coming out and having people read it. But on the plus side, uh, since we're going to the Arnold March 1st, uh, I don't have to worry about it being on my doorstep all weekend. Because yeah. that would be the time it would come. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was my uh, Monday. It was just, like, really... Oh. Really aggravating, but here's hoping the other magazines and stuff I got are fine. And All also, right. I don't remember if we mentioned this last episode. We I don't think we did because it was Nick Oberon. Uh, I got my, not in the mail yet, but the Diabolic Press issue one prints finally came back. Right. Uh, not just like the proof copy, but all of them. Uh, Mitch, who, who, I don't know, I guess he runs Diabolic Press, he posted on instagram of just a picture of all of them which right. looked fucking cool yeah so he said he was sending them out this week so hopefully by next week i at least have that yeah because i do want to read the other people's stories in there because it just looks cool and i hope like i hope that like he can order it soon you know yeah a couple people on his post asked when they could buy it and he didn't say anything so maybe he hasn't decided i don't know i would hope he was selling it that'd be stupid if he just like right. put it together just for him <laughs> I just want the authors, and I want to read them. Nobody else. My stories. So anyway, we have a great episode for you today. No, don't lie to them. I'm not. Well, I'm not going to have any more grievances. Other than that, I'm not upset about anything. Lots of things. I'm fucking mad about everything. <laughs> I fucking hate everything. The war burn. Burn the war down. I want to see it smoke. Uh, but other than all this stuff I just mentioned, I'm okay. I got some cool stories I'm doing. I'll tell you off air. I can't tell you on air. Or I'd have to kill all the audience members. Listeners. Oh, poor Mike. <laughs> just Mike. <laughs> just Mike. As soon as I go into the book club, just stab. Right in the neck. Sorry, Mike. And I don't know why I used a pencil. I was inspired by John Wick. <laughs> You are listening to the Drunken Penderating Podcast, no, stop, bro. Stop it. Why? Stop it. What? <laughs> Just don't do it. Don't do what? <laughs> don't do it. Don't do the accent. It wasn't an accent. <laughs> That's how I talk now, but just randomly. <laughs> anyway, I am your host, Caleb James. With me today, Spencer, the Seattle Spooge Sponge Church. Aww. Oh, 
That's not sponger. Yeah. You're the sponge. Right. You're soaking it up, yeah. boy. You soaking that jizz. You're just full of it. You expand with seminal fluid. Eh. Could I mean, be yours. I don't, yeah. I'm not saying whose it is. Just saying you're soaked with it, soaking it up. I guess if you're gonna, you know, you want your own recipe. If you're gonna be, <laughs> your skin's porous and you <laughs> absorb the spooge. We have a episode of your doing because on Monday you came over and we shit the bed twice in a row. Yeah. We tried recording and it just wasn't happening. We we're just bad. I don't even remember. We we're talking about submissions. We just didn't give a fuck. No. So you came over on a Thursday, which we haven't done in years. A couple yeah. months. Six Almost, months. Yeah, something like that. So you sent me this article, I don't remember, the other day. Ten science fiction books better than do Android's, Android's dream of like sheep electric. Sheep that are electric. Toasters. Do Android's dream of electric sheep. You want a book that's better? This is according to Goodreads. Yeah. According to Goodreads, these books are better than Android's dream of electric sheep. And I know you loved that book beyond anything you've ever read. We both loved it so much. I wasn't a big fan. Uh, we did an episode on that, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. That's what that's what the, the headline kind of caught me. Like, might have been book of the month or something. I don't know. Check it out. We we both are very kind of like it's not like terrible, but it, I, I don't think it's not what either one of us expected it was going to be. I think. Uh, it looks like this list was. This is from Goodreads, put out by the Fantasy Review. So, but the, I, I'm assuming because it's according to Goodreads, they yeah. ripped off Goodreads, and then we're ripping off the Fantasy Review, ripping mm-hmm. off Goodreads. Mm-hmm. Also, the fantasy review, if they post fiction, I we might have to submit them. Yeah. All right. So the first- So you bo- should maybe be kind in there. Be kind? Well, it's just synopsis. I'm not, I'm like, I don't care about their opinions. I don't need to know why they think it. This is Goodreads. It's not their opinions. Yeah. It's not the fantasy review doing this. Yeah. It's Goodreads. Uh, Whoever wrote this article, when they cribbed Goodreads, <laughs> that's who we blame is the Goodreads people if these books suck. And Goodreads people suck. Not all of them. Some of them. Just some Almost all the librarians on there are atrocious. How many times have I put in for my fucking author page and they just never get back to me? It's getting real frustrating. Getting real frustrating. Push my button. Like, sure, sure, you ain't no author. I ain't no author. The Rediscovery of Man by Cord Wainer Smith. It's a name. Cord Wainer. It's close. Yeah, it's very unique. Do you want to hear about this book from the blurb? Sure. I like when they put the blurb because then I don't have to worry about copyright infringement. (laughs) Welcome to the strangest, most distinctive future ever imagined by a science fiction writer. That is a lot. That's bold. That is probably some hyperbole. I don't think that's factual. But let's read on. Maybe at the time of its publication. It doesn't say when it was published unless four. It says 413 in parentheses. 4.13. So I don't know if that's a date or I don't know what that is. It looks like an old school cover. Anyway, here is the book. An interstellar empire ruled by the mysterious lords of the instrumentality whose access to the drug strewn from the planet Norstrelia confers on them virtual immortality. A world in which wealthy and leisured humanity is served by the underpeople, genetically engineered animals turned into the semblance of people. A world in which the great ships which sail between the stars are eventually supplanted by the mysterious, instantaneous technique of planoforming a world of wonder and myth and extraordinary imaginations. Unless this came out in like the 50s, that's not that unique sound. No. I mean, these are supposed to be better than Blade Runner, 
But I assume that means they would be like noir or, you know, something that was at least in a similar vein. That doesn't sound anything like Blade Runner. Well, I guess the planet stuff, because there are androids who mine other, Yeah, I think, comets and stuff, really. What the fuck is the numbering on there? 4.14. Maybe it's like a Goodreads thing. Yeah, like the grade or something? 4.15. So these, this is the order of the list, I guess. But that's a weird numbering. I don't know what it means. I don't know what it means. And I don't like it. I fucking like it. And they just like turned into a Muppet right there. This is a good title, though. The Forever War. Yeah. Number one. This is by Joe Haldeman. 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 It's got a cool cover. It's like a... Oh, yeah. That one is kind of cool. Yeah, that's pretty fucking nice. Private William Mandela is a reluctant hero in an interstellar war against an unknowable and unconquerable alien army. I've heard that before. Mm. But his greatest test will be when he returns home. Home. Relatively means that for every few months, tour of duty centuries have passed on Earth, isolating the combatants evermore from the world for whose future they are fighting. I didn't know what that meant. Relativity means that forever. Okay, so I guess he has to go to war every so often. War. You know what? I think the problem is... What's it good for? Gooch touching. Gooch touching. Gooch touching. What the fuck is with my... I'm Fox have to hole ch- plug-in. I might have to change channels here. It, but now I'm super fucking yeah. loud. What happened? I hate this mixer. I want to burn it. Should I burn it or give it to Bryce? And then he could be pissed off forever. I think you should give it to Bryce. Okay. He can office space it. <laughs> Next up on this fabulous list, Roadside Picnic by Arkady and Boris Strugatsky. How I said that name, I don't know. And that's also a name. That's also, yeah, that's two people. Red Shoehart is a stalker, Spencer. Mm. Fucking snark. I bet you know what that's like, you Mm. fucking creep. You're a creep. Creep. I I don't know. One of those misfits who are compelled, in spite of the extreme danger, to venture illegally into the zone to collect the mysterious artifacts that the alien visitors left scattered around. His life is dominated by the place and the thriving black market and the alien products. Even the nature of his mutant daughter has been determined by the zone. And it is for her that he makes his last tragic foray into the hazardous and hostile territory. Hostile. Hostile. I don't know. I don't don't think I like sci-fi anymore. Yeah. (laughs) The Moon is a Harsh Mistress by Robert A. Heinlein. Heinlein. Life isn't easy for the political dissidents and convicts who live in the scattered colonies that make up lunar civilization, Spencer. Everything is regulated strictly, Spencer. Efficiently and cheaply, Spencer, by a central su- supercomputer, Spencer. Homes 1V. You're not taking this serious, Caleb. When humble technician Manny O'Kelly... D- <laughs> Spencer... <laughs> no, no, no more Spencer. When humble technician Manny O'Kelly, Davis discovers that Holmes has quietly achieved consciousness, Spencer, and developed a sense of humor. The choice is clear, Spencer. Either report the problem to the authority, Spencer, or become friends. Spencer. Friends? <laughs> just dot, 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 friends. Hold on, somebody messaged me right now. Oh, Bryce, what a fucking surprise. He wants me to know what I think of this on Instagram. Because every time I am recording an episode, he texts me something that he wants me to watch, and then I can't respond. Where does he know? He probably doesn't know that you're recording today, does he? No, but he does on Mondays when he always texts me during recording. Mockingbird by Walter Tevis. 
Mockingbird, I want to retire from the lexicon of book titles. I don't yeah. think that's the proper use of lexicon, but I don't want it in book titles anymore. I'm sick of it. Really? In any in any way? To because Kill it's... a Mockingbird was the best use of Mockingbird in oh, a yeah. title, and after that, it should just be done. Forever. In the future, the human race has ceased to progress. Granted, endless leisure by widespread automation, the masses devote themselves solely to the pleasures of the here and now. To dr- oh, This is just modern America. Yeah, I was going to say, this, yeah, this sounds too familiar. <laughs> themselves solely to the pleasures of the here and now, to drugs that dull their senses and electronic bliss that disconnects from their reality. Theirs is a world that is without meaning or purpose, without art, children, or reading, and overseeing the bleak persistence of humanity is an intelligent machine whose only wish is to extinguish its own existence. So, like, next year? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know when that book was written, but it's now what it's talking about. Yeah. Here's one that sounds like dog shit that we'll never read. Cat's Cradle by Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah. Terrible, terrible guy. You didn't read that one yet, right? No. You're going to start that sometime. We've both been talking about reading that. Experiment. Told with deadpan humor and bitter irony, Kurt Vonnegut's cult tale of global destruction preys on our deepest fears of witnessing Armageddon and worse still, surviving it. That's what I wouldn't want. Nope. Depends on Armageddon. Solution. Dr. Felix... H O E N I K K E R. See that word. I'm not gonna get it right. It's not gonna sound good. So, Doctor Felix Hoen, <laughs> one of the founding fathers of the atomic bomb, has left for deadly left a deadly legacy to the world, for he is the inventor of Ice-9, a lethal chemical capable of freezing the entire planet. We might actually need that. Yeah, that might actually help right now. The Doom City by R. Katie Strugatsky. He must be a popular sci-fi writer, assuming that's a man's name. Yeah. Because he's twice on this list. Cool covers, too. It is a mysterious city whose sun is switched on in the morning and switched off. And I I wrote a story about that. Mm -hmm. And then I decided not to publish it because it wasn't good. Uh, So the sun's flipped on and off during the day and night, bordered by an abyss on one side and an impossibly high wall on the other. Its inhabitants... Damn, I did write this story. Its inhabitants are people who were plucked from 20th century history at various times and places and left to govern themselves. Advised by mentors whose purpose seems inscrutable. This is life in the experiment. Yeah, I wrote a a story uh, called Escaping the Neon City. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And it was on high walls. You know, people were forced to do shitty work and... There was a, I think at the center was like this big global building that was like rolling. It was, it was like a capitalist tale, yeah. uh, capitalist Armageddon. But yeah, they switched off like the sun and like an artificial sun. And uh, yeah, I wrote some of them. The Dispossessed by Ursula K. Le Guin. Well, I need to read some of her work because no Gaiman always talks about her. Oh, yeah, she must be good then. Well, I mean, on the master class we both watched, he mentioned her like 50 times. I don't remember much of that other than his soothing British accent to the whole thing. <laughs> a bleak moon settled by utopian anarchist, Anaris has long been isolated from other worlds, including its mother planet, Urus, a civilization of warring nations, great poverty, and immense wealth. Now Shavek, a brilliant physicist, is determined to reunite the two planets, which have been divided by centuries of distrust. He will seek answers, question the unquestionable, and attempt to tear down the walls of hatred that have kept them apart. All right. This one you're going to read tomorrow. Okay. Hyperion. Oh, that's a big one, isn't it? 
Hyperion Cantos Number One by Dan Simmons. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't have a uh, doesn't have word counts on these. Normally, if it's a volume one, that's a <laughs> yeah. It is the 29th century, and the universe of the human hegemony is under threat. Invasion by the warlike ousters looms, and the mysterious schemes of the secessionist AI Technocore bring chaos over ever closer. Or is it Al Technocore? This guy, like Al Bundy. <laughs> AI. On the eve of disaster with the entire galaxy at war, seven pilgrims set forth on a final voyage to the legendary Time Tombs on Hyperion. I like the names of the stuff in this. Home to the Shrike, a lethal creature, part god and part killing machine, whose powers transcend the limits of time and space. The pilgrims have resolved to die before discovering anything less than the secrets of the universe itself. And say, I always, um, whenever I see, like, you know, best sci-fi list or things and stuff like that, I, whenever I scroll through them, I always see that one on there. Sounds like it's a famous one. Can you guess what number one is of things that are better than androids? Should I be able to? Should, do I know what it is? Just think, what's the most popular sci-fi of all time? It is funda- Foundation? No. No? No. No Asimov. No? What is it? Should be able to guess. Most famous sci-fi of all time? Yeah. It's a series. Series? Big Uh, books. Big books? Oh, is that what that, like, The Will of Time or... Oh, my God, just shut up. It's Dune by Frank Herbert, you fucking naive mook. (laughs) (laughs) Mook? (laughs) That's just being mean. (laughs) You know what? I'm always afraid to look up mook and find (laughs) out it's... it's, it's going to be bad. You find out it's, like, a 12th century word that's, like, the biggest slur ever or something. I don't want to... The Duke of Atreides has been maneuvered by his archenemy, Baron Harkonnen, into administering the desert planet of Dune. Although it is almost completely without water, Dune is a planet of fabulous wealth, for it is the only source of a drug prized throughout the Galactic Empire. The spice. Spice plunge. Tom Brady's poop from South Park. <laughs> the Duke, see, that's when they're great, is when they do things <laughs> yeah. like that. The Duke and his son, Paul, are expecting treachery, and it is and it duly comes, but from a shockingly unexpected place. The only thing I didn't like about Dune was that the guy's name is Paul Atreides. Like, you have, like, all these funky names on there. Well, Duncan, Idaho. That's a Duncan, mm. Paul. But you're, like, aliens, pretty much. Like, you have cooler names. Well, that's, like, the same thing, like... A white uh, bread name, like Paul. Like, uh, Game of Thrones. Is it, These be, like, Tyrion and blah, 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 blah. And then there's, like, there's Jon Snow. Jon Snow. <laughs> Come on. Just some fucking English. Boy. I know he's a bastard, but still, like he should have a better name than Jon Snow. All right, Spencer. That's now, it. Did you watch the, the, the first Dune movie? Yeah. Did Me and you, Tyler watched it. Did you like it as, like, because I know you've read the first, you know, the first book. It's long. It's pretty. Kind of boring. Yeah, it's like the book. The book, yeah. It's pretty. I liked it. I think Tyler fell asleep because he's not. That seems accurate. Not enough action, but. The second one looks like there's going to be some sandworm riding and stuff. It might be cool. I don't know. Now, did you ever get the urge to go and read, like, the next book? I sure did not. I don't know why I like sci-fi, but I can't get into it hardcore. Mm. Whereas even, like, fantasy, I could find that, oh, I think I could be a fantasy guy. Not, like, just Lord of the Rings, but, like, actual real time, like you mentioned. Or just any of these fantasy books uh, we've read in the past. Neil Gaiman. Yeah, like, I can get into some fantasy because, you know, I'm not a huge series guy. I just don't like yeah. the commitment. But, for, like, fantasy, I think I could do it. Sci-fi, I don't know. Do you think it's, like, rubbing up against, like... The... I, I could tell you what it is. 
it's the same problem like I have with time travel stories where I don't like the changing of history. Like for some reason that always annoys me. But what like sci-fi bothers me is the fact that unless it's really out there, like old sci-fi for one, it's like, well, that's kind of goofy because, you know, we surpassed it so much. Or even worse, it's like some of these titles where we're just like, oh, that's like happening. And then I just get depressed, like, oh yeah. no, that's like, like you know, I like the Matrix, but I'm like, are we in a simulation? Because I kind of believe it. Terminator's one where I'm like, well, fuck, that's damn, we're making Skynet for some reason, <laughs> yeah. so like we're trying. So I just I don't I can't really jive with the again I like sci-fi I just I'm not gonna commit myself to a big series. Well, I just know like some people have trouble with like depending on how much science is in the sci-fi, like if it's a lot or if it's not, like you know what I mean. If it's so- one-offs, I'm fine. Like, you know, some Kurt Vonnegut, even like Andy Weir, like just a book that's not a series. Yeah. I'm fine with sci-fi. It's just, I don't want to, like, like The Expanse. I like the show, but at some point I just stopped watching. Yeah. Not because I disliked it. I just like, oh, fucking no. Time suck. Well, like, and that's another thing, because, like, I watched, like, the first season, uh, and it's like, the books are like, supposed to be better, but, like, they're so big and there's so many. Like. I know. It's just, like, I, I understand why people like series, because there's a lot of readers where it's just like, no, that's what I read. Yeah. But we're like, I want to read everything. The, Too varied. Uh, there's a girl at work who she reads like she's a series person. She likes seri- series, and like there's this series that's like twenty books long, Ugh. and she's read it already. And she's just gonna fucking she just started over and just doing it again. That's sick in the head. <laughs> there's another thing that always uh, gets me when it comes to like series is is it is it done. Right, yeah. If I'm going to jump into a big series, do I know there's an end? Well, again, like, that's the main reason why I've never started Game of Thrones. Like, I really wanted to, especially, you know, whenever the show was big and I like, no was watching end. it and stuff like that. And it's just like, he's not finishing these fucking books and I'm not going to get into it. Like, <laughs> it, though, it made me think about maybe trying to find some of his other stuff because, like, I want to know, like, because I've never, like... yeah, because I've never read, written anything that he's written before because it's like, I'm not starting it. Like, especially because if I think I'm going to like it, I'm just yeah. going to be fucking mad that it never ends. Well, of course you're going to like it. Like, Daenerys Targaryen has diarrhea on yeah. a fucking dragon. Yeah. In the book. Oh, not really? the show, Not the movie or the show. The show, not the movie. But, uh, yeah, in the book, there's a scene where she just gets, like, real bad diarrhea and shits mm. everywhere. And I'm like, that's fucking great. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the hell? Like, I guess you can't have Amelia uh, Clark shitting herself. Yeah, but yes. I kind of want to see it. Sick. Yeah. Just like Matt, you don't get to see people pooping on dragons. Yeah. I don't know if she actually pooped on the dragon or if she got off the dragon and then shit. Well, on could the you dragon. imagine you get like one from the dragon, then like off the dragon, and then you get hit, you got hit with it, and you just look at me and you're just like, did that dragon just fucking shit on me? Like, is that oh. what just happened? Oh, that's gross. Though I imagine his sex scenes are probably not good. Just looking at him, I um, judge uh, that, or they're, you know, maybe he's got that imagination. Like, you know, it's like a lot of. Heavy breathing and thrusting and, you know. You think a man who looks like that that's probably not had sex in a very long time or if he does it, he had to pay for it. You think he's going to be able to write the the intricacies of a sexual scenario in a way that somebody would enjoy? I don't know. Or is he Haruki Mirakami in it where you're like, oh, it's kind of gross. Or Stephen King. King, Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I want to fuck that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Monogamy in the morning. Been married a long time, <laughs> that, that Stephen King fella. Yeah. All right. Well, that was the end of that great episode. I guess we could rattle on about nonsense for a few minutes. All right. I don't want to talk about the stories I'm working on, though, so. Right. I don't know what else to talk about, Spencer. 
Um, Should we make this the DBS episode just so we get closer to that hundred or what? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I don't know because that wasn't much of a DBS episode. I mean, DBS episodes normally go a wide variety of like you know talk topics and randomness. We we stayed pretty on point with that. Uh huh. Until now. Until now. Well, yeah. So twenty man. minutes we stayed on point. I don't know, man. I'm just a guy floating in the ether, you know. In the ether. Just, just plastic bag in the wind, you know. Just filled up and. Not Too bad it can't be hope. like the uh, the ether that uh, Hunter Thompson. Yeah, you can imagine floating around in that. We got a bunch of cans of that at work, and I just want to like <laughs> shoot it right up into my brain. I don't know what it would do. It'd like, kill me. Like, hey, what are you doing? Writing a novel. <laughs> oh, I'm fucking wired. <laughs> hey. Oh man, I wanted to tell you. I think I saw. Fuck, I can't remember. I thought I saw a good place for that crow story you wrote. Oh, really? Um, I'll have to look at my phone to see if I saved it. Well, I know you got it. You got it out at a couple places. So yeah, but I haven't heard anything back yet. Yeah. Well, the deadlines for some of these are coming up. Sometimes they wait till after the deadlines. Yeah. I've been waiting a long time for a bunch of shit, and I got rejected from some stupid stuff the last couple of days. Been pissing me off. <laughs> Just like dumb shit. Is like. I got rejected for that fucking brochure story thing. Yeah. And it's like things I can't do anything with. I submitted three two-sentence stories to this one magazine, and they only publish, like, poetry, and then at the end, maybe they'll tack on these two-sentence stories. So I was like, I'll write a couple interesting ones for that. And then they rejected. I was like, well, I can't do anything with these. Well, well, since you can't do anything, what's your two-sentence story? Want me to read them? Yeah. Like- I forget what the theme was. because It's like a horror-ish or horror publication. I don't remember. But let me see if I can find these. And just be an asshole and just do like two really long run-on sentences. I mean, you kind of had to. What I did was I read their last issue they had out. I read the... It wasn't even the last one. It was the last one that they had the stories in. I read the two-sentence stories, and I was like, I just got to write better ones than that. Yeah. And it wasn't very hard. Jesus. Here we go. Two-sentence stories by Caleb James K. So the first one, Life on a Match Head. Okay. The mirror mocked Marcus as he changed his bloody bandages, saying, No one will love you now, not with a face like that, so you better try harder next time. If he had known back then that the peremptory... I like it when I write words that I can't say. <laughs> right? If he had known back then that the peremptory voice in his head would become this loud, he would have used more gasoline. It's a lot of commas. Yeah. Uh, next one's called Surprise Contestant. This is kind of I stole off a joke. Okay. Bobby Lee joke, actually, <laughs> which he stole off of. I forget who. A little boy stood in a parking lot, pointing at a small box beside him, and shouted the words, Three, 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 repeatedly. Curious, an elderly man walked over and looked inside the box, but before he could react, a snake struck out, bit his arm, and then the boy yelled, four, four, four. <laughs> I thought that was a good one. Yeah. I thought that was a good one. Maybe I'll publish these on my website just yeah. for shits and giggles. And then the last one was more in vain with what they publish. It's called Marrow Deep. I don't like Cecilia. She's seen me bleed too many times. Use that name on purpose, by yeah, the way. Yeah. Someone you don't like. Because, like, the stories, uh, from what I remember, they had on there, that, that's kind of the vein it was. Like, they had, I saw on an older one, they had ones that were, like, a little longer, like the ones I had. Mm. You know, you just have to play with the, the commas and the, you know, to make them just two sentences. That's all they were. 
I kind of get the feeling they either just didn't want to publish any more of those two sentence stories, or they just didn't read them. Yeah. So I felt like the, the two. I, th- I thought the first two were all right. Yeah. One guy tries to burn himself with gasoline because he hears voices in his head. Second one, you know, just a kid. Mm-hmm. Thought they were funny. Maybe if I ever find another thing like two sentence stories, I'll try to mm-hmm. submit. Some places take like those drabbles. I think those are hundred words, but yeah. Uh, what else did I get rejected by? Uh, let me look up my spreadsheet. We'll end it on that nonsense. Friends, family members, people you work with. Don't forget loved ones. Well, if you had any. Yeah. Uh, I got uh, that cursed morsel zine, that uh, that broken sky story. That's on my website now if you want to go to calebjamesk.com. They rejected me, to, I think, it, not that long ago, but it was like a theme submission. I think that's the one you submitted the bird to, right? Yeah, the bird yeah. story, because it was a bird theme. Mm-hmm. So how do you make a bird theme? But it was like a fucking what? It was, it was murder birds or something like that. Yeah, nightmare birds. Uh, What was the other one? I got... Uh, my phone's on me. That'll fucking help. All right, Spencer. I got rejected by the Mercy Review. Mm-hmm. It was the first review of the year I got rejected by, I think. Got rejected by uh, Ghoulish Tales issue three and the Dark Magazine. The Dark Magazine I expected because they never read my stuff. Mm. Every time I send them, I get the exact like years apart, and I get the exact word for word uh, copy and paste response. Uh, and they respond in like a day. So yeah, they didn't even read it. No, uh, but the Ghoulish Tales issue three, I submitted that uh, writer's retreat story I had. Mm. I if I remember correctly on the submission guidelines, they don't publish gore. Um, I forget what the other ones were. And mine, while not quite gore, it's kind of gore. Yeah, I I had a feeling it wasn't going to be a fit just because of that. But I was hoping that's because the story's kind of weird that maybe that would have overrode some of that. But yeah, that's so far that's what I got out of the this year's submissions. I got rejected from some last year's submissions as well. But I don't want to talk about it. But either way, folks, we thank you for listening. And if you want to check out my publication history where I am not rejected, calebjamesk.com. Um, I'm, I don't know when to publish my horoscope for news because yeah. I was going to put it on there, you know, opening day. It's already finished, like on my website. But I don't if I don't want people to order the book if it's fucked up, you know. Right. Yeah. She said uh, she was going to wait 72 hours to order, even though the manuscript says it's uploaded and fine. I'm just worried that, you know, it, it's not going to be in the system if I if people yeah. order now. Right. So I'm just, I think I'm just going to wait till the weekend yeah. and then post that. But yeah, give it a couple of days just to make sure. Yeah, and then if it's fucked up after that, I'm, you know, not my control, I guess. But anyway, yeah, I got my updated stuff on there. If you want to check us out at DPW Podcast on Instagram, uh, X, Twitter. Facebook and YouTube, and then Spencer's OnlyFans. He is the Seattle Spooge Sponge. The Spooge Sponge. The Spooge. Spencer Church, the Spooge Sponge. He's sponging Spooge in Seattle. He's opening up his bum and sucking it all up. Oh. He is. Oh. He's, he, uh, go to his OnlyFans if you want to see this. I know you do. Like lots of The word gape comes up a lot. I'm not sure what it means, but I'm not into that. Weird stuff that you're into, Spencer. Mm. Spooge and sponge. Uh. Sponge and spooge. What if you did the opposite? What if you had spooge? No, no. I was going to say suck up a sponge. That'd be weird. Yeah. what I'm talking about. Uh, anyway, we thank you for listening. And we have some more guests coming on. And I haven't reached out yet, but uh, we'll talk about it off air. But we have a, a big time, uh, not celebrity, but 
I guess big in the field of business wanted to be on it. I don't know. I already sent it to you. Oh, oh yeah. I don't I don't know what to do with the information. <laughs> we also had another guest that wanted to I don't even know if they wanted to be on. They didn't ask for anything. But they again another strange one that I don't think is a fit for the show. But anyway, uh we'll have more episodes. Sometime. DBS hundredth episode. We are trying to record the Day, the weekend of St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. So hopefully. we should be, you have a fucked up one coming eventually. Yeah, hopefully, here. yes. Soon, sooner than later. Caleb, you wanted to see me? Ah, Spencer, my good fellow. I've been expecting you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so did you want something or... Want? Goodness, no. Require. Require? Yes. I require your services for the briefest of moments. Okay. Surely you can see the predicament I'm in. Well... Actually, no, I can't. I lost my glasses at the pub last night. A pub, you say? Surely you can't be serious. As serious as a fart during a recto exam. And stop calling me Shirley. Rightio. Anyway, if your spectacles were affixed upon your face, you'd see that I, the host of the most prodigious writing and books podcast in the business, has been immobilized by a rather substantial stack of fallen folios. What? My to-read pile finally fell on me while I was taking a nap. But you're on a podcast table. I hardly see how that matters. And you're naked. I hardly see how that matters. Dude, your hairy ass is touching my drink coaster. I hardly see how that matters. It matters to me. Can you just unbury me? No way. Your reckless reading got you into this mess. Blockhead! Wait! Don't go! There's a copy of War and Peace wedged in my taint! Spencer! Can you at least leave me a bottle of whiskey? Hello? Can't get enough drunken nonsense? Listen to new episodes of the Drunken Pen Writing Podcast every Tuesday wherever you get your pods. Bryce, what are you doing? Trying to, you know, game. <laughs> what? This game is really hard. Pac-Man? Uh, yeah. Dude, you're supposed to be playing the game for next week's episode of Arcade Bookshop. I mean... <sighs> I will. I'm really close to beating this. Right. And what about the book? Huh? We're supposed to finish a book for the podcast, too? Oh, yeah. I finished that last week. Yes! Oh, did you finally beat it? Uh-huh. The first level. Oh, boy.
You can listen to new episodes of Arcade Bookshop every other Monday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you get your pods. You'll always find us with a controller in one hand and a book in the other. Get ready, get ready.